Hi, I'm Meredith. Hi, I'm Joseph, and you are listening to Are You Waiting for Permission? It's a podcast for those who don't want to wait any longer. Hey, uh, Joseph. You look familiar. Hello. You look very familiar. You look How- so familiar. <laughs> Guess it's, what? It's like, it's like we see each other three times a week or something. Something like that. And this is season two. This is season two, and I'm excited because it, our first guest of season two is uh, none other than Scott Perry. Who is that? Who, well, yes. he, Scott and I met because he was my coach for mm. the freelancers workshop in in the uh, Akimbo program. And uh, so from there, I feel like we've had a budding friendship, and I have very much admired uh, Scott as a coach and as uh, a thought leader. I'm going to call you a thought leader, Perry, mm. uh, Scott Perry. Uh, so I'm going to do a little intro and uh, get this party started. Does that sound good, Joseph? Yes. And at the end of it, if you could tell us what Akimbo workshops are, because some of us in our, of our listeners don't know. I would love to do that. Okay. So Scott Perry, he helps aspiring and advancing difference makers like yourself to live their legacy, uh, to find fulfillment and peace of mind by aligning who you are with what you do and where you belong. He is a chief difference maker at Creative On Purpose. He's the author of Endeavor and Onward and the former head coach of the Akimbo Workshops. He's also a husband and a father, and he goes for a cemetery run every day and he is a spectacular human, and I'm so glad to have him here on this podcast. Welcome, Scott. Meredith Grandais, I live and breathe. Great to be with you, and nice to meet you, Joseph. <laughs> Thank Excellent. You. Thank you. And the Akimbo workshops are the workshops that were started by Seth Godin. And yes. Meredith and I have done those workshops as well. So can I tell you what I heard in that beautiful bio of all those accomplishments and family and wife? Cemetery run. <laughs> I'm wondering, Scott, how might it affect you running through a cemetery, if at all? Yeah, the cemetery run um, came about uh, because we we raised our sons on a farm uh, up county from where we live now. And, and when we sold the farm and moved to town, I wanted to maintain my daily running ritual. And I was so excited because in town there are sidewalks and crosswalks, and I thought I would just map out a run. And uh, it turned out that the run took me to the cemetery and, and then I circled home. My very first run through town, I was going across a crosswalk and I literally came within a, uh, a, a, an inch of getting hit by a car. It was so close that wow. it, uh, the, driver's, the, the passenger side rear view mirror tugged at the fabric of my long sleeve shirt. So... I was pretty shaken by that, obviously. Uh, I turned around and walked home and had a little uh, chat with my wife. And we decided that um, if I didn't want to end up in the cemetery, rather than run to it, I should probably mm -hmm. drive to it and then run around the cemetery, which turns out to be a really spectacular place to run. It's on the highest point in town. It's surrounded by fields and cows lowing in the fields and deer prancing around and fruit trees and 
and of course uh, the gravestones, which um, you can you know, you know I'm always looking at as I gaze upon the Blue Ridge Mountains, and it became um, a practice in what the um, ancient Romans called memento mori, remember you die, and so mm-hmm. it's a yes. it's become not just my my daily physical exercise, but also kind of a spiritual and psychological exercise that really helps me keep helps keep me focused and um, helps keep me motivated to do the best I can every single day to make the biggest difference I can with whatever time I have left. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Scott, for that. I've always wondered the same thing, and I've always imagined you running around in a. Whenever I think cemetery, I think of uh, a city. <laughs> always think of them living in cities, even though I never, I didn't grow up in a city myself. That's just the image I get in my head. So I love the description that you gave us there of, of your, your daily reality. I am curious because of our show and because we like to talk about people who have given themselves permission to live the lives that they want to. I'm curious about, I know that you're past was as a musician, what that pivot point was for you to move into what you are doing now in service of others? Yeah, uh, I always feel, feel like I've um, unfairly won the lottery more times than anyone deserves to. Um, I went, I had, I grew up with spectacular parents. They, they um, helped me navigate a very challenging childhood and academic career and uh, you know, ended up getting a great education, ended up going into education for a short time and taught at some schools that you might have heard of. And then I tried some other things and it's, it, when my first son was born, I, you know, I'd always had this, um, I, ever since college, I'd been playing music as a, as a hobby and, and kind of semi-professionally on the side. And I had this nagging sense that I didn't want to be the age that I am now and look back and say, I wonder if I could have done something with that music thing. So uh, about age 27, I guess, I decided to just make a go of it. My wife and I had a conversation where I just, you know, we had money in the bank and I said, I'm asking for a year. And if I, at the end of a year, if I'm making enough every night to be able to afford to do it again the next night, I'd like to be able to do that. And it turns out that I made enough every night to do it the next night for almost 30 years. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, at one point I decided very, well, not one point, pretty, pretty, about 10 years in, I decided, you know, being a, a full-time performing musician and being on the road a lot was not for me. So I, uh, um, we moved to this little town that we live in now. I opened up a music store. I started giving guitar lessons out the back. There, took me just six years to figure out that um, I could make $3 an hour on the floor selling guitar strings, or I could make 30 or 40 bucks an hour in the back giving guitar lessons. Um, and so I just uh, crafted this this life where I could do what I wanted to do for a living. I always joke around that, you know, musicians don't work for a living, they play for a living. Um, and so that was just, I, I had so much fun doing that. I felt like, especially when I got into teaching guitar lessons, that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then I had that nagging sense that, you know, that a calling to do something else. I wasn't sure what that was. Um, but fortunately, you know, thanks to my association with, with Akimbo Workshops, 
and having access to great mentors like Seth Godin and um, all the other people that, that are at, at the headquarters at Akimbo. I built this other thing called Creative on Purpose. And when it felt right, just uh, at the end of 2020, I was able to leave my music career and my guitar studio entirely and step fully into this other thing that I had just, uh, you know, that I've been building. Beautiful. And I'm curious if you can just speak a little bit about what creative and purpose is. And then the second part to that question for me that I would love to hear is how has your life as a musician and that talent that you have cultivated over all of those years informed this new uh, role that you've taken in life? Yeah. Well, Creative on Purpose is dedicated um, to helping people do what I feel I have done, which is to hear and heed the call of vocation, to find the difference only you can make, and to do what we call live your legacy, which is to live a life of meaning and purpose and fulfillment, doing work that aligns who you are with what you're good at and where you belong, and um, working with and for the right people to make you know, to, we say at Creative on Purpose, you enhance your life most through endeavors that serve others. So, you know, oftentimes that looks like coaching. Sometimes it looks like community. Sometimes it looks like um, online courses and so forth. But that's um, our primary motivation is to build a world where everyone is able to uh, find fulfilling purpose-driven work um, that gives them a sense of flourishing in their lives. And... The, to answer the second part of your question, you know, being a musician, there's, you know, and I know your husband could speak to this. Um, there's a, you know, just like any profession, it's a mixed bag in terms of personalities and, you know, the ways that other people approach um, playing music. What I learned really early on um, is that my job as a musician was to be on stage and be of service to the audience and to be of service to the music um, and to, to present that to the audience. And, and that was how I was creating a celebration, how I was enhancing their lives, how, how I was helping them have uh, a better night. And that the best way that I could do that was to also be in service to the musicians around me. And so you know, in the music world, if you're a musician, we all know usually that guy um, who is, you know, basically biding his time until he can shine, until he can sing his song or have his solo or do his thing. And then the rest of the time, he's really not doing much to support or encourage the, the communal uh, collaborative uh, effort of, you know, communicating and, and serving this, what I call serving the song. And so... What I learned is that, you know, my job as a musician was to um, be, you know, use the moment to, um, to, to fulfill my potential and deliver on my promise and do that in a way that supported everyone else on stage's ability to fulfill their potential and, and their promise in, in the moment that we were in. And so I think... You know, there's a lot of, um, I still very much think like a musician, I could give you a hundred analogies for how, you know, musicianship informs the way that I see uh, and navigate the world. But that that element of it, that, you know, it, we don't, we, we all grow up in a world where um, 
institutionalized education and occupation is based on compliance and conformity um, and com competition. But we are, by nature, actually creatures that prefer um, community, communication, collaboration, and creativity. And creativity thrives much more in collaborative uh, relationships than they, it does in competitive relationships, is my assertion. I would agree with you. I, and I have a feeling that Joseph has a few things to say about that, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, Scott, when I when I listen to brilliant guests like yourself, I'm often listening with the ear of our listener because there's a lot that you just shared with us. And the part that most sticks with me is listening to your calling, right? A lot of us want to do that. Wouldn't it be great if we all did that? What a peaceful, joyful world we would live in. And I'm wondering when a client or a community or organization comes to you and they're looking to be creative on purpose, how do you start? Like some of our, some of our listeners, they don't even know where to start to begin to listen to themselves. So I'm wondering if you can share that with us. Yeah, that's a great question. Part of it is, you know, again, the, the, the challenge is we, you know, Human beings are purpose-driven creatures. It's it's one of the reasons why why we survived when we were um, scuttling about an earth where we were surrounded by things that wanted to chase us down and eat us. Um, and you know, it eventually helped us dominate the the, the planet, um, or, or at least we thought so until COVID came along. Um, so you know, why we don't talk about, you know, in the ancient world, they talked about the art of living all the time. And it was based on, they started with what is the purpose of life? <laughs> and now we almost never talk about that. So I think it helps to start with just defining terms and, and understanding, you know, where purpose lies in, um, in, you know, what we call the good life or, um, you know, being central to the art art of living. We are meaning-making creatures. We make sense of ourselves and the, our situation and each other through narrative. And um, we, we, purpose is just really, really important uh, for us. And it's not a fixed thing. I don't think that your calling is, you know, just something that you're born with. And I don't think it's necessarily something that's out there for you to find. I think it's a both and situation. And that's the other difficult thing about purpose is we're fed the idea that it's out there and you have to go find it. And polling shows that 75% of people, at least in the United States, can't find their purpose. That's means we've just invited three quarters of the population into a life of um, shame and suffering. And then the other great myth is that it's inside and you have to go, you know, do a lot of deep inner work and excavate this purpose. And what I have found is that if we think of it as a both and proposition and that purpose can come within, it can be found without. And some people do seem to be born with an innate sense of their destiny and what they're supposed to do with their lives. And some people happen upon it at a very young age. Most of us, 
find it through a lot of trial and error. And what we have found at Creative on Purpose is that if you bring purpose and passion into everything that you do, all of your day-to-day -day activities and engagements, that purpose and passion becomes a um, kind of renewing resource that you can continue to put into your life or in, into your into your day-to-day -day activities and relationships. And so, you know, I think the best way, it's just like learning to read or write, ride a bike or anything else. You're gonna do it badly until you start to do it passively, until you do it well. So if you start, bringing purpose and passion to all the things you do, you will get better at bringing purpose and passion into the things that you do, and you will be more present and mindful about the things that really light you up and excite you. You will become more attuned to um, the call of vocation, whether that comes from within or from without. Beautiful, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And to go a little bit deeper, I know you can go there, Scott. How does Momenta Mori, remember that you will die, how does that play a part in us following our purpose on a daily life, even if we're just washing the dishes or cleaning up after the kids? How can that play a part in how we live our life? Yeah, well, that's, you know, it's, it's the central question. Um, you've just arrived at it. You know, if... Um, if the only the only thing that you're truly entitled to in this world once you enter it is that you will die <laughs> then the only meaning that your life has is the meaning that you forge in that journey from womb to tomb and that means uh, you know that that's that's the call that that that's your uh, you know, when you recognize that, it becomes your responsibility. Because again, we're not going to get a lot of help from um, most of our traditional institutions, uh, educational and occupational. And so, um, I think it has a lot to do, um, Joseph, with you know paying attention. You you have because your your time on earth is finite you have a limited amount of time you have a limited amount of attention and you have a little limited amount of energy and you are actually in control that it's your you have agency over where you sp where you spend your time who you spend your time with how you spend your time and what you spend your time on and you have that same power over your um your attention and your energy so why not cultivate more presence and mindfulness in your life around what you who you associate with and who you don't associate with what you do do and what you don't do and the, again bringing that purpose and passion into every single activity will help sharpen the focus and help you find um, your purpose and i'll just throw in one one other um thing that we use a creative on purpose that Meredith has probably seen the Venn diagram the the the, per, the the process that we use to kind of fast track us to getting to a starting point is we we work people through a values exercise because we think that who you really are is based on your core values guiding principles your vision for the world uh, that you want to co-create what your core 
talents and skills are, hard skills and soft skills, and those things that you were born with a, uh, you know, specific, uh, with kind of a, a, um, an instinct and an intuition for, and then where you belong. And you belong with people who share your values and need your talents to enhance their lives. And if you dial in those three things uh, and think of it as a three-piece Venn diagram, you're going to arrive at a place where you can start to really bring that level of intention and integrity to everything you do, and that will help you cultivate more purpose in your life. Amazing. Beautiful. Thank you for that. I, there's a lot of intention in there, and it actually is you posted something not too long ago on LinkedIn that has actually resonated with me quite a bit. I've talked about it with uh, several people since then, which is the difference between, and quote, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it was something about the difference between an affirmation versus intention. Do you remember? And I, there was something about that that I found really helpful for me with where I'm at. And do you mind kind of explaining it in your words so that I'm... <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Since you're here. <laughs> sure. Um, so the, the actual distinction was between um, affirmations and interrogations. And so, interrogations. Yeah, thank you. So yes. You, thank you. I, I think intention plays into it yes. as well. So <laughs> the long and the short of it is um, I, I, I've been kind of the way I am now ever since I can remember. And so I've always been kind of a self-development, personal development junkie. I've always loved to think, you know, and uh, about things like, you know, the meaning of life. And I was an affirmation junkie from a very young age, you know, and a part of it was my love of, uh, and affection for um, Benjamin Franklin and his autobiography. And he had an affirmation. And every day, every day and in every way I feel I'm getting better and better was his daily affirmation. And I used to repeat that to myself and write it in my journal as a kid. Somewhere in my, you know, 30s or early 40s, I was like, you know, this is really actually not working. Like these, and and I, I always remember. Um, I don't know if either of you watched Saturday Night Live, but back there was a, this. Um, I can't remember who it was. It might might have been Al Franken, um, but he had this character. I think it was Stuart Smalley, Stuart, and, yeah, yeah. and he would look at. He'd be looking at the camera as if it were a mirror and telling himself, "You're so smart. You're so good looking." People love you. And I just realized like this doesn't work. And so I did some, some research and there's a lot of psychological and neuroscience behind this idea that affirmations are actually very ineffective. And what is much more effective is interrogations. Quite, and some people don't like the word interrogation, so use questions, but to, be ref, to ask reflective questions. So instead of saying something like, you know, I am, uh, I am a loving father, a loving husband, a loving grandfather. I will say, am I a loving husband, father, and grandfather? Because that forces me to engage and to think, you know, am I actually doing this thing right now? And just by flipping all of my affirmations, and I, I think I listed them in that post, Meredith, and I can't remember them all because there's there's a lot. I I I'm, <laughs> I need a lot of work. Um, but yeah, I just I turned all of my affirmations into interrogations, and I actually have them printed out at, um, at, at, by my other computer, and I, I look at them all day, every day, uh, as a way of making sure that I'm kind of staying on this path and 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 really um, stepping into my potential. 
Love that. I really do. Yeah. I, I feel like I might be stealing that and putting it next to my computer. <laughs> I give it to you. It's yours. You don't need to steal it. <laughs> okay, well, what you. I love about it, Scott, is that it brings in the element of curiosity, which as podcasters, Meredith and I absolutely love. As improvisers, we love that. And it also brings in the element of accountability. I can say I'm beautiful and everybody loves me, but that doesn't give me any action. It doesn't give me anything to do. It does, it's not a check-in. Right. It's just words that may or may not resonate with me, but interrogating and saying, Am I lovable? Am I acting in a way that's lovable today? Or whatever the interrogation happens to be, it kind of calls us on our shit, right? Yeah. Am I doing it? Am I actually living that way? So thank you for that. I also saw that LinkedIn post and commented on it, but I probably didn't say anything brilliant. So you might not remember it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, Go ahead, Joseph. Yeah, I'm wondering, there's two things that our listeners can do if they're so motivated. One is to connect with you and do your program. And if they don't have the resources to do that now, what's one step that they could do as a takeaway from today to begin to live their life on purpose? Um, Absolutely. So we are very de- dedicated at Creative on Purpose to you know being available to anyone and delivering insight and information um, that's available to anyone that has a device that they can read our content or watch our content on. So if you go to creativeonpurpose.com, uh, there's a blog that's where we share insights and information at least three times a week um, that's intended to help you uh, deliver an insight or inspiration for living a more purpose-driven and more purposeful life. We have a, a weekly broadcast that actually broadcasts now three times a week. Um, some of the some of them are conversations like this that are 30 minutes long, and then there's two kind of very short and sweet insights delivered on Monday and Wednesday. Uh, you can also grab the, um, the Purpose Solution. It's a free uh, five email mini course um, uh, that will help you uh, define what purpose is, uh, um, why purpose matters, who purpose is for, where purpose is found, and how to find your purpose. And I share that three-step process that I shared with you all earlier. And we, uh, you know, if you want to take a slightly bolder step, the we have a um, the full-blown course. Uh, which is called Let Your Life Speak, which is a Quaker maxim that speaks to the idea of of heeding the call of vocation. Um, That is available for only $97. So again, if you can afford a device to to watch the videos um, in that course, uh, you know, you you can probably uh, uh, afford that that mini course. It takes, it's made up of three lessons plus two bonus lessons, and it is really walks you through all the exercises that you would need to do to determine your values, your guiding principles, your values, your talents, your skills, hard and soft, and finding the communities, the places where you belong, where people share your values and need your talents to enhance their lives, and then gives you some ways to activate um, naming and, and living into your purpose. Beautiful, thank you. And we'll make sure that we include that links to that in our show notes mm-hmm. for our listeners. Thank you. So one last thing. I'm wondering if this plays into what you bring forth and and how you are serving, but you haven't mentioned the word happiness, but everything that you are talking about as a happiness coach, it makes me think 
oh, you're probably helping and serving a lot of people to be happier. Mm. But yet you don't use that word. Is that on purpose? <laughs> There's that word. Or I, is it just because? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I, 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 we do talk um, about and, and encourage people to engage purpose because it is the fastest path into better health and happiness physically, psychologically, and spiritually. We talk less about happiness than we do about joy. We talk about joy a lot at Create Up On Purpose. We also talk about equanimity, and I think um, we use those terms sort of almost interchangeably. And you, you know, part of the art of living well is that you are um, doing work that matters with and for people you care about, and that is necessarily going to be challenging. I mean, you will have victories, and you will have um, triumphs, but you also have you know face challenges and trials, and the uh, you can you can joyfully and with equanimity face all those trials and vicissitudes by leveraging purpose, by p focusing um, less on the results and outcomes that are beyond your control and more on the journey and the process which is in your control. And if you are focused on engaging in the process and on the journey with intention and integrity, that is its own reward. And that's where joy and equanimity lies. So that's kind of our take on, on the happiness Thank you. Thank you. I love knew it. it was in there. I just didn't know if you wanted to address it. I love it. So anything Scott, anything else I, for you, Grundy? Well, I'm just curious if there's anything that you have on the horizon that you would love for people to know about right now that you can share. If so now, now would be the time where people can find you and find whatever that is. Well, we just, we literally just in the last week or so released this free mini course mm -hmm. called The Purpose Solution. And um, we've run two beta groups through, um, through Let Your Life Speak. So those things are brand new. And so there's nothing yet on the you know, horizon is, you know, for what's new. What I, every year I, I kind of set a campaign for Creative On Purpose. And our campaign this year is, um, to help at least a thousand people live their legacy. And that wow. means helping them find their purpose and helping them, um, you know, find and engage in an endeavor that will help them cultivate joy and equanimity in their lives, doing work that matters and helping, uh, you know, with done with and for people that they care about. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what the next thing will be, um, but. I, I'm pretty sure it will avail itself just through the things that we're working on right now. Thank you. Thank you. Listener, if you want to be one of those thousand people working with Scott Perry and his team, please reach out. This is the perfect time to do it. Excellent. Thank you, Scott. It has been such a pleasure talking with you. And I want to say thank you so much for being on our show today. Well, the pr pleasure and privilege is all mine. Uh, you know, as Meredith mentioned, we go back a ways and I've long admired the difference she's making and uh, share her uh, affection for improvisation. And Joseph, um, if you're based on your association with uh, Meredith, um, you're, you're one of the, the good ones too. So just, and <laughs> you asked brilliant questions today. So the pleasure is all good, mine. That's for sure. Oh, thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you, Scott. All right. Well, have a good one.
Bye. Thank you, listener, for being here for season two. We will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Are You Waiting for Permission? If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, we want to give a special shout out to Amy Shelley and Gary Grundy of High Fiction for letting us use their music in this podcast. All right, my friends, until next week. Bye.